We told you that CP was working with CN to try and get around those rail blockades in Belleville. It was kind of uh, the best kept secret until our prime minister yesterday let the cat out of the bag uh, and let people in on the fact that they were still trying to get the vital um, things to uh, like chlorine and things that can't be shipped by uh, truck to uh, the people that need the most. A lot of in a lot of cases, it's our farmers. And that blockade has been lifted. Of course, there's no blockade out in Belleville anymore, but the damage has been done. We're joined now by Chris Vanden Heuvel, who is our second vice president at the Canadian Federation of Agriculture, just to talk about the damage that's been done by the blockade so far to farmers. It's extensive, Chris. Yeah, it absolutely is. The uh, the results uh, to our industry, the widespread collateral damage, is it's just grinding our entire industry to a halt, and it's it's taken a massive toll uh, on our farmers uh, right across the country, both uh, you know economically and from a mental health perspective. Yeah, that was the most shocking thing. I, I just recently read uh, a piece about uh, you. You'd been talking about uh, the impact of these blockades on families across Canada. It's very very stressful for farmers, and you are concerned about mental health issues. Are you hearing a lot of the members of your organization um, that are dealing with uh, with this? Well, ab- absolutely. There's uh, there's no doubt that our industry is uh, is one that is uh, is a high stress uh, industry. And when you uh, uh, when you add something like these uh, rail blockades that we have absolutely nothing to deal with, uh, uh, yet we continue to be collateral damages in, uh, in these types of situations. Uh, you know, it puts a toll on our farmers that wonder, uh, you know, how am I going to start to make my next payments when I can't get my product to market? So that it, it has a very very devastating ripple effect uh, on our farmers. Which type of farmers are most affected by the blockades? Uh, you know, it's really happening across all industries. There's, uh, there's of course, a huge impact to our Western grain farmers, uh, you know, to the tune of uh, $63 million a week right now in, uh, uh, in extra costs that are going to be downloaded to our Western grain producers. We've got close to uh, uh, 50 ships uh, sitting off, uh, off the Western uh, uh, coast uh, waiting to be loaded, but we can't get product there, right? Those ships are, uh, you know, are charging demerge fees, uh, and those are going to be downloaded to our farmers. Wow. Uh, you know, we're probably we're price takers, so uh, uh, you know we can't pass those costs along to uh, uh, to consumers. So ultimately, we're left to uh, uh, to foot the bill with those. Uh, you know, and, and that's in the West. Uh, you know, in Eastern Canada, eighty-five um, percent of poultry burns, uh, for example, are, are heated by propane, and eighty percent of that propane, one point one million liters a week, uh, is being delivered by rail. So we're already seeing rationing of propane uh, in Quebec. They were told that they have supplies uh, in storage for seven to ten days. So this is very, very quickly becoming an animal welfare issue as well, right? If we can't heat our burns, uh, uh, you know, th- this is going to start to have a devastating impact from there. And uh, and then you look at uh, commodities such as uh, apples and uh, uh, and greenhouses, which also use uh, uh, propane. And uh, uh, we've got produce that's uh, that's sitting in rail cars uh, trying to get to markets. And, uh, and our suppliers, our purchasers are already telling us that uh, if this resolution is not... Uh, or or if a resolution to this uh, situation uh, isn't achieved immediately, they're going to look elsewhere, and, and elsewhere means uh, other countries. And uh, so that's, uh, uh, that's lost uh, income, not just to our farmers, but to the overall Canadian economy. Chris, the Canadian Federal uh, Federation of Agriculture is calling for decisive action from the federal government. Um, what does that look like? 
Well, I mean, it's uh, it's not up for uh, to us to say, you know, what the government needs to do to uh, to resolve the situation. Ultimately, what we need and what we want is, uh, uh, is we want to get our product to market. We want to uh, to to be able to uh, to heat our barns, to heat our greenhouses, to keep our animals happy, to keep them healthy, uh, uh, get our product to market, and and continue to do what we do best, which is provide safe, healthy, nutritious food for Canadians and for people abroad. So we call on. Uh, uh, you know, on the government to do, uh, you know, whatever they feel is in the best interests of, uh, of the country in order to ensure that this uh, uh, situation gets resolved as quick as possible. Chris, when you mentioned that there's a lot of uh, grain farmers that are, you know, they, they need to ship their grain across to ports where ships are waiting so that they can export the grain. And I know that um, Canada is one of the world's largest agricultural producers and the fifth largest agricultural exporter. Could we see, you know, a time where, you know, if if this is held up and they have to incur the costs of those ships waiting at port, which is a lot to put on the backs of our farmers, the farmers could get get together and form some sort of class action lawsuit against the government for holding things up? Uh, I don't think that that's even on our radar yet. Uh, uh, you know, we haven't gotten, we haven't been this far down the road in this type of situation before. Uh, so it's too early to tell, uh, you know, on any, uh, you know, way, shape or form in any type of action such as that, uh, you know, we, we haven't considered it. Uh, you know, what we are hearing and what we are seeing is that, uh, you know, for example, uh, with the grain backlog and with, uh, you know, with successive issues that have happened in the past couple of months, they're already telling us that, that this is not, uh, you know, even if this situation gets resolved right now we have such a backlog in the industry that they're worried that we might not be able to clear out that backlog by next fall's harvest so if if we're talking you know six seven eight months out uh, uh you know and not being able to uh, relieve the pressure on storage this has ramifications for years to come so, right. it's so let's to talk about anything like okay that. so let's just just to get us up to speed and, and make sure we all understand so chris what you're saying because a lot of us are not farmers and aren't privy to exactly what goes down is you've already got your grain stored you're waiting to ship it it's waiting in silos um you if but if this isn't uh cleared up and you haven't shipped the grain that's in those silos or an appropriate amount by the time you go to harvest what happens to the harvest does it go to waste No, well, that's a great question, and that's, uh, you know, we have no idea what's going to happen. If we don't have room to store it, then uh, that's a very, very distinct possibility. And, uh, and, and you know, and we, we can't take the chance. I mean, it's not like uh, uh, we can just turn off the taps and say, you know, uh, in the next couple of weeks, in the next month or so, we're looking at uh, uh, starting to get on the ground and starting to do uh, uh, tillage and starting to do planting, right? So, uh, you, you know, we can't wait. We can't say, oh, well, uh, uh, this situation might be resolved, um, so we're not going to plant and and so forth. That's not an option, right? We have to move forward. Uh, uh, we've already placed orders for, uh, uh, for 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 our inputs, for our fertilizers, for our seed, and so on and so forth. And and in a lot of cases, those charges have already been incurred. So there's going to be, uh, you know, a, uh, absolutely a potential for an, um, an incredible amount of waste if this uh, continues much longer. So how does the farmers' insecurity because of these blockades uh, and lack of shipping things to ports lead to, you know, does it lead to our food uh, insecurity as well as Canadians. Well- yeah, it absolutely can, and we've all already been hearing of uh, food shortages on the uh, on the east coast. We've been hearing of, uh, uh, you know, in some cases, and especially you know the perishable items that rely on just-in-time delivery uh, uh, to get into grocery stores, and we're already hearing stories of uh, of shortages in those types of situations. So it's uh, uh, it's it's not uh, a, a situation that's uh, good to be in by any stretch of the means.
Sure. And your farmers, uh, you know, as they go, you know, farther into the hole, they're going to have to charge more. And so we're all going to be paying more at the end of the day. Well, that's a distinct possibility, but unfortunately, our uh, you know our industry uh, typically, historically, has been one of uh, you know of price taking. So uh, uh, those uh, you know those prices are often set uh, in advance, and uh, we have no control over those. Uh, so oftentimes, those costs uh, are downloaded to farmers. Ultimately, if farmers go out of business or or whatever, if they can't make payments, uh, uh, then uh, uh, you know, like I said, farmers do go out of business, and and that could have the impact of increased uh, um, uh, costs in the grocery stores because there's less selection available. Chris, I really appreciate your time and, and making us aware of the plight of our farmers right now. Uh, my pleasure, anytime, and we uh, certainly appreciate you uh, helping us get the message out there. Cheers. That's uh, Chris Vanden Heuvel, who is second vice president of the Canadian Federation of Agricultural.